Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. Today is August the 16th. We are on day 40 yes. of our epic, you know, 20 plus state sojourn around the country. And uh, we just finished up Car Week in Monterey. And I have to say, it was more than I expected in that it definitely, you know, I was telling you yesterday as we were leaving Pebble Beach, um, I felt like even though you and I pride ourselves in being big thinkers, oh, I, I know. it was so funny how um, being amongst people that have cars that are worth 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. Yeah. And, and yeah. being on a whole field full of them. And, um, you know, car people are it's like it's like sports. You don't there's no real um, discernible difference. Whether, you know, it's not dependent on socioeconomic or education or whatever. You run into a car person, you want to talk about the guy's special, you know, Ferrari or whatever it is. That conversation can go on for hours. And then later you'll find out that he's like a billionaire or something. I mean, that's the cool thing about the car world that I've always liked. The people are fantastic. Um, You know, there's different segments and all the rest of it, too. But moral of the story was uh, it was interesting listening and uh, talking, just listening to the conversations that were going on around us and talking to the people that were there, and then listening to, I don't know if you were paying attention to this, Mm -hmm. um, but when the awards started to be announced, or the people that were essentially being chosen to be considered for an award, Mm -hmm. they were in some cases mentioning who owned the car, Yes, and they were mentioning also the company that they were uh, associated with. Like I heard one guy was so-and-so from Pixar. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. I know. know. But it was just, it was amazing. It just really was. And It's um, a good exercise in thinking bigger, isn't it? But it was. Don't you think that's true? I do. It's like, you and I are always uh, preaching on this podcast and really to all of our coaching clients and all of, you know, everyone that you always got to be make, putting yourself in a uh, position to think bigger and make sure you're shocking yourself out of complacency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I sort of are overly prideful perhaps in our ability to do that uh, mm-hmm. just for ourselves. And then you go to Pebble Beach. I know, but you know, it's important <laughs> to do it on purpose. I think yeah. it happens to everyone on happenstance. You know, you run into somebody at the grocery store and you find out, you know, oh my gosh, I was just talking to so-and-so. But to do it on purpose with such a high concentration of people like that. In a short period of time. In a short period of time. <laughs> it's really interesting. And I, I enjoy learning about different types of businesses and, you know, how people came to, say, collect vintage Ferraris. Like, mm-hmm. who does that, right? So I think that's really important for people to do, not not just in the car world, but you can do it in the art world. And, and this, you know. This, the stories it. are awesome, too. I mm-hmm. was talking to a guy named Cam Ingram. Um, and he had him and his dad uh, own this uh, company in North Carolina that specializes in vintage Porsches mostly. And guys, yes, this is Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're gonna we're gonna we get, slipped. but we're yeah we slipped, but we're gonna get to our topic here in a second. Yeah. But he was had, he had a Porsche 904 on display, which I won't bore you guys with how rare that is. And the story that um, you know that that he was sharing with somebody else, and I was eavesdropping basically about how they found the car, how long they had been chasing the car, all the work that went into restoring the car. And every single one of those cars that were there were little time capsules. And some of them were from the 20s and the 30s. And yeah. a lot of them, which is is definitely true, were never designed uh, or built to be something of that's seen now now as a uh, you know a fetish, basically, or sure. something that's an art object. Mm-hmm. There were um, 
miles of cars there that were worth many, many millions of dollars that in their day were just nice cars. And, you know, some yes. of them were just race cars. And mm -hmm. like some of the Porsche 917s that were there, uh, the, the original ones were looked like they were something that someone made in an arts and crafts class, Definitely. honestly. You could, the welds were kind of crappy. The fiberglass mm -hmm. was just, you know, sketch, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And yet they were worth 15 to $20 million. Well, because they've become something different than they started out as. And now they have appreciation and... You know, not just financially, but people appreciating them and, you know, bringing it up to a totally different level. And I thought it was fun that, you know, you and I were there for the car show, but Zoe created her pet show <laughs> and uh, sought yeah. out. Well, I, I, I think it's pretty interesting that uh, something as super high end as the Pebble Beach Concourse allows dogs and parrots. And yeah, there was a guy with a parrot <laughs> you know. that Zoe adored. Such a cute parrot, too. Uh, it was great. Yeah. And this parrot actually meows like a kitty. I thought yeah. I was imagining something and I was like, where's that noise coming from? And it was just a parrot that meow, meow, you know, <laughs> so and it's because this parrot watches Animal Planet. So he was pretty interesting. And uh, <laughs> the parrot's owner actually was one of the, I think he was one of the Ferrari judges. Yeah, he so, was. So, you know, for Zoe, that's that's her entryway to getting to know people. We all have, you know, these different conversations. But I thought that was pretty fun, too. Yeah, it was. The, I mean, the whole thing, this whole experience uh, with you and Zoe, obviously, mm -hmm. and, and all the people we've come in direct contact with and indirect contact with as they've su suggesting to us that we go here, experience this, do the other thing. It's just been really a wonderful experience. If you guys ever have an opportunity uh, to even take a slice of this uh, big sojourn we've been on and driving around the country, it really does open your mind uh, up to the reality that we are really one big, great country, despite the fact that you know, if you pay too much attention to the news or listen to pundits, it's, you know, people want you to believe that we're some sort of divided nation. I have to tell you, I do not feel like that, even after being in the hearts of, of San Francisco and, you know, Portland, Oregon and all these other places where you would have heard on the news that there's some sort of, you know, riotous cesspool. It's not the case at all. There were beautiful, wonderful places. And yes, a lot of the people were, you know, uh, motivated by different things than say people in Montana, but it doesn't matter. They're all part of the same country. And I think if um, it's easy to forget or it's easy to assume that that common element of being uh, Americans, that it's not still omnipresent in all of our heart and souls, it really truly is. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the things that I'm really going to remember, hopefully, and, um, you know, disseminate on this podcast is that you, we've always said essentially have a media free life. Yes. But man, I have to tell you that is so true nowadays because if you don't experience the realities of America, you really are going to believe that there's things happening in mm -hmm. our uh, country politically, uh, socially that are going to be, you know, uh, essentially long term uh, divisive. And, you know, yeah. as far as how, and it's, I don't believe it's true, not I'm even neither. for a second. But if that's what you're exposing yourself to, it'd be easy to not want to leave your house. Yeah, exactly. And yet, what you should be doing is leaving your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in order to realize that you can actually have this richer, fuller life. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, I, I feel. Uh, truthfully, I just feel amazingly blessed to have had this experience and having this experience. So we are going down to L.A. today. And um, Julie, are you going to announce the hotel we're staying at? Do you remember? I don't remember the name of it. It's a little boutique, I think. Okay. So we're going to be going down to L.A. We're going to be staying at uh, – we have some um, somebody we're visiting with in – um, North Hollywood. North Hollywood and somebody else we're Sherm visiting Sherman with Oaks. in Sherman Oaks. So we're going to stay yeah. in that neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. uh, we're probably just going to be staying overnight in L.A., but we are going to be staying for two or three days in, in uh, our old stomping grounds of Laguna Beach. And uh, where are we staying in Laguna Beach? 
the surf and sand right on the ocean. Right, the surf and sand. And we were going to stay at the Montage, but they're booked. So we're going to stay at surf and sand. And if you are somewhere around, if, you, if you're in San Diego, if you're in L.A., um, I know it's, you know, depending on traffic, you can go up from San Diego to Laguna Beach in 45 minutes. Come up and hang out with us. We're going to be definitely wanting to see as many as you as possible. We have so many clients, thousands of present and past coaching clients in California and Southern California in particular, but also certainly podcast listeners, a ton of podcast listeners in those markets. We'd love to um, you know, meet with as many of you as possible. We are continuing to update our travel journey on Instagram. And of course, we're Tim and Julie Harris on Instagram. So this week, we are talking about 12 reasons to be the listing agent. And this is Julie and I's <laughs> favorite topic someone asked us over dinner the other day when we were trying to explain to them that we do a podcast every day and they're like what um you know this guy was in finance and i was trying to explain to him what we do what we talk about and you know he ended up actually subscribing i'm talking about keith and uh, he said he listened to three of the podcasts to understand um but really we do have about 12 or maybe 15 recurring topics and probably six of which are our favorites Mm -hmm. this has to be number one really Yes, but you know, I I did get some emails and texts from agents who maybe never considered why why are we so adamant about be the listing agent? And that doesn't mean that they were newbie agents. You know, that makes sense that somebody newer would wonder what's the difference, right? But this is also some agents that have been at it for eight or 10 years. It's just that the market's been different and they haven't really embraced listings. They have an interesting outlook because they're like, well, if I list it today and it sells tomorrow, you know, why, why are listings so valuable, right? So on the one hand, it's because you can essentially take the commission to the bank, but we also need to demonstrate to them what listings can do in terms of leverage for them. So it, that's what this week's theme is going to be about. The simplest way to understand why you want listings opposed to chasing buyers is imagine if you had a retail store. It doesn't, let's just say it's, you know, Bob's, Bob's Pie Shop, right? And uh, so Bob's Pie Shop, you know, you spend all the money, you create this beautiful storefront, you have everything, you know, clean the windows every day, you've got a great logo, great, everything's perfect, and yet you don't have any pies in your pie shop. That's basically the way to think of essentially a real estate agent who's not focused primarily on being a listing agent. You have, you might spend, and some of you are essentially being seduced to spend all kinds of money on branding and buying leads and building your teams and all these other things that people are telling you you should be doing as your primary focus in real estate. That's absolutely not true. There are places for those things in your business, but you have to have your foundation down. For example, back to Bob's Pie Shop. Not only does Bob have to you know, make pies, have them for sale, but he has to make really good pies. So it's one thing if, for example, you walk into Bob's Pie Shop and there's no pies, well, then you're not going to stick around there very long. And you might even, you know, essentially never go there again. So Bob's Pie Shop is dead to you at that point. You might even tell a few people, don't go into Bob's Pie Shop, there's no pies. But what if you go in there and and, uh, Bob's Pie uh, pie Shop uh, has pies, but the pies are terrible. You buy a couple and you take them home and they're just the worst thing ever, right? Same experience. That's what happens to a lot of you when you get into this business. You you will put a uh, essentially a big storefront on your business in your mindset, but you don't have any have no con- you don't have any pies to sell. And even if you do have pies to sell, the pies themselves are not good enough quality that it's going to attract people to you that are going to want you to choose you to be the listing agent. That's the reason that being a listing agent is so incredibly important. And here's the overarching reason why. Real estate is an amazing business. If you're a listing agent, and it's a bit of a non-amazing business if you're pro- focused on being buyers, because as a listing, so Bob, in order to open up his pie shop, what do you have to do? 
rent space. He had to take a lot of probably, you know, a big SBA loan. He had to hire staff. He had to deal with all the Mickey Mouse associated with, you know, buying all of his uh, equipment and just the whole thing. So Bob's out, you know, maybe even a million dollars, but hundreds of thousands of dollars at least to start his pie shop. And then how much margin does he make every time he sells a pie? Bob probably has to sell three, 400 pies a month before he even covers his overhead right? Because his margin is probably like, you know, 5% or 10% on every, you know, he sells a pie for 10 bucks and he makes a dollar. He keeps a dollar, a dollar fifties. You know, margins in businesses are tiny. Now think about real estate. So Bob's gone to all this liability, all this expense of opening up Bob's pie shop. But in real estate, you don't have any of that. If you're a listing agent. Now, if you're focused on a team and building, uh, you know, buying buyer leads, then you're just as bad as the situation as Bob is because you have all this fixed cost. And if you stop paying for the fixed cost, you're out of business. But as a listing agent, one that is trained to do a, be a proactive lead generator, you don't have that same liability because you every single day without having to buy leads are proactively generating listing leads. And those, and those listing leads create leverage for you. Leverage in the sense that when you have a listing, so Bob had a lot of expense associated with, um, you know, running the pie shop, right? Right. Well, as a listing agent, you can have a million dollars, $10 million, $20 million, $100 million in inventory. In other words, other people's houses for sale that you don't have to pay a nickel for. Bob has recurring expenses just to keep his pie shop open. And when everything sells, you're making a percent on it. So you can have a million dollar house listed and, um, you know, your commission is whatever your commission is, twenty, thirty thousand dollars whatever, 60000 50000 But your recurring cost to carrying that listing is virtually nothing. Uh, well, you put it on a website, you make a nice brochure for it, right? You answer questions versus Bob's business who has that constant money drain of having to maintain the business. Now, here's the thing. Also, carry this into your heart and soul because if you get this, it'll forever change your mindset about real estate. You can run an incredibly profitable, successful listings-based business and have profit margins of 75, you know, 90% if you do it the way Julie and I prescribe. If you're a prominently a listing agent, you can essentially build your listing inventory up to what we call your real estate magic number. And once you have your real estate magic number, which is the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed your financial, you know, everything, um, you then have to maintain that number of listings and you will have consistent income, consistent savings. You'll have consistent, you know, quality of life. Everything that you want is on the other side of being a listing agent versus having to be someone who's building their business predicated on bot, on bot business. The branding um, sort of plague that's taken over the industry right now, and it manifests itself in many different ways. It, it does have a space. It does have a use. Branding and essentially creating, um, you know, a image around the the business that, that you're running and that you're trying to present to the marketplace. That has tremendous value. There's no doubt. But you can't fake it because remember, if someone walks into your pie shop and you have no inventory, or if someone walks in your pie shop and they don't like what you have to sell, you're out of business. So to start with, you have to start with the foundations of making a really great product first. And I've read a lot of dumb things online. Like someone said, a great product that's marketed poorly will fail or a bad product that's marketed successfully uh, will win. That's dumb, the dumb stuff that the branding people try to sell you because you can have people walk into your pie shop, but if your product sucks, they're not going to do business with you or at the very least, they might do business with you once but never again. What you have to start out with is the foundation of building a really great skills-based listing, a really great uh, listing skills-based business. And from that, you can scale to whatever direction you want to go. 
Does that make sense, Julie? It does. I, I, what I was thinking of as you were presenting that is uh, I see it from the coaching end of things where, you know, I'll have a call with somebody who has done some of those things. Maybe they come to us already having worked on the branding and the team and the buying leads and the this and the that. And it, let's say that, that it's first quarter and we're getting their taxes done. Well, that coaching client takes three or four weeks just to sort through what their real numbers are because it's so convoluted. And then I remember this distinctly from doing some first quarter calls like this. Then I talked to somebody like Tammy Irby, who's in Northern Virginia. And and she said, well, I just want you to know I got my taxes done. I hadn't even asked her to do it yet. And I said, Tammy, how'd you get them done so fast? She goes, well, I don't really have that much expense. I mean, (laughs) I figured it out and I kept like 83% of the profit. And, you know, that's better. So keep that in mind as you're becoming profitable. Remember, remember that profit is your product. Why did you guys get in the real estate business in the first place? Was it just essentially, uh, was it to have financial freedom? Was it to have money in the bank? Was it to be able to spoil you, yourself and your family? Was it to uh, you know, do all the other things that come with being, was it to feel good about yourself knowing that you're helping other people? Was it to become a professional? Was it because you're at the point in your life where you're finally ready to become the best at something and you're tired of being the runner-up or never even getting into the game? Probably all of those things, right? And yet, what's happened to so many of you when you get into this business, because you aren't don't have the convictions or you don't have the reinforcement for your convictions to stay in pursuit of your original goal when you got into real estate, you get co-opted. You get co-opted by real estate brokerages, by you know real estate managers. You get co-opted by other uh, people trying to sell you marketing and lead generation and team building and branding. Your intention or your ambition essentially gets liberated from you, borrowed from you, stolen from you to the point where you've lost mission. You you're no longer on your original mission. That can happen uh, the second you get your real estate license and you start opening up your emails, and then all of a sudden all this pressure is coming from you know building a brand or buying leads or build a team or join a team, and then you're forgetting like why did you get in the business originally? Oh, it must be I have to join a team and I have to learn how to generate. You know, I'm going to basically uh, get my business from a team, or I'm going to you know work on my brand or work on my website. So I need to work on my social networking. All this working on is going to make you broke because you're going to run out of money and time before you've actually generated any revenue. That is not the approach that we take in our coaching program. It's not the approach that you should take. By the way, not just in your business, but your entire life. You have to, in our coaching business, in our coaching, uh, as a coaching client, you will learn. Rule number one is learn while you earn, not learn and then hopefully you earn. It's learn while you earn. And by the way, a lot of you guys are asking about our coaching program. Just text the word success to 47372. Text the word success to 47372. You can join our premier coaching program for around $100 a month and you are entitled to a daily semi-private coaching call. A daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches. So text the word success to 47372. Just go ahead and do that now. And when you do, we're also going to text you back uh, a link so you can then join the, uh, I'm sorry, you can download the real estate treasure map. We've just upgraded and updated that. And it, it's basically $100 value that we're going to give you just for texting the word success to 47372. And when you join our coaching program, guys, you're going to have the sense of direction that a lot of you have been looking for. Look, I know our coaching program is not for all of you. Some of you don't know what you don't know yet. You're in that unconscious incompetence phase in the levels of mastery. And I, I, you know, I respect that. But do yourself a favor and get to the next phase of conscious incompetence as fast as you can. So you can then start improving as you can get back on mission with what your original intent was when you got into real estate. That's right. So let's get started on making it very clear, 12 reasons to be the listing agent. So a couple of pre-points here. All the drama is on the buyer side of the transaction all the time. 
So just from a lifestyle and stress management standpoint, realize that all the drama comes from the buyer side and that the listing agent always wins. Always, even in a changing market, even if things change a little bit, the listing agent has an actual, you know, signed contract. That helps. Okay, so developments recently on the buyer side. Now, depending on where you live, some of this is uh, lightening a little bit and other places it's actually getting worse. So we're gonna go through these fairly quickly. We'll probably do three points and then continue tomorrow. So number one, buyer's agents are actually volunteering to chip in some, or in some cases, all of their commission just to win a competitive bidding scenario. Pretty sure that's not what you signed up for when you got licensed is, you know, giving your money away so that you can get somebody in contract. And that's in addition to sometimes the referral fees a lot of these companies are charging to these agents. Yes. It's gotten so disgusting on as, as far as agents. But again, you read that first point. Yeah. I'm thinking about what I'm saying to you now. Uh -huh. But why are agents susceptible to believing that they have to buy buyer leads? It's because no one's telling them any different. Right. Well, that's what we're here for. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay. Point number two, listing agents reducing the buyer side commission in the MLS. It's so uh, interesting to see agents fighting about this online because the buyer's agents like to say that that's illegal. But it's not illegal. Listing agents, you know, it's right there. All you have to do is read it in the comments. And when there's low inventory, they can drive it down as far as they want to. That's actually a, really a, a point worth repeating. When you're the listing agent, you decide, well, you and the seller, right? Decide what the co-op is going to be, what the co-op commission of the buyer agent is going to be, if there's going to be a buyer agent co-op. And we're seeing, again, in some of the hottest markets across the country, there is no co-op. And what we suspect is going to happen, and it might very well happen from some things that are taking place right now um, with the government and um, I think antitrust. When we were here listening to a podcast, Rod mm -hmm. Hahn was talking about this. Yep. But it actually might become uh, to the point where buyer's agents are going to have to start essentially having their commission overtly tacked on to the, real, uh, to the transaction. For example, you find a house, the average sale price of a house in the United States right now is $359,000. So let's say the three there's a three percent co-op. You're someplace in the middle Midwest, and three percent still the norm. And let's say they're gonna there's eleven thousand five hundred dollar you know buyer agent commission on that. Well, you're going to have to it's and that's paid for by the seller. The market assumes the seller is going to include that as far as a seller's expense to pay both the listing agents and the buyer's agent side of the commission. Only United States and Canada does it that way. Nowhere else in the world does it work that way. By the way, there are a ton of advantages to the consumer having the buyer's agent. The way the system is structured ultimately isn't structured for the betterment, though the industry definitely benefits. It's because essentially the market has evolved to the point where in our country, the buyer's agents do offer a lot of value. Good ones do. Not all, not all buyer agents are good ones. But great buyer's agents offer tremendous value in the marketplace. And we're huge advocates of great buyer's agents. But the reality of it is in this marketplace, you're going to have a lot more strength if you're on the listing side. So what's going to happen is you're going to see, and Julie and I started talking about this about three years ago on this podcast, we, you're going to see the buyer's agent commission is going to be something that buyer's agents are going to have to start getting the buyer to sign up. Uh, essentially be liable for it. And that's just the same way when you go and you have to compete for a listing. You have to you know, essentially explain to the seller why they want to list with you. That's what we teach you to do. And then you have to essentially go through the commissions and the seller then in some cases going to have questions about the commissions and all the rest of it. Well, on the buyer agent side of the business, the reason many of you are attracted to it is because you do not have to deal with any commission objections because 90% of the time the uh, seller is already paying the buyer's agent commission and it's just implied in, it's a, an, an entitlement of the transaction. So you don't actually have to have very many sales skills to work on the buyer side of the business. For the most part, it's a social, physical 
uh, job, uh, you know, physical labor opposed to mental labor on the listing side of the business. Not much objection handling. There isn't. So what happens if that all changes? What happens if now when you work with a buyer, you're going to have to have the same formal business approach to getting them to understand why they should be paying your co-op? Everything changes then, doesn't it? And that's what's going to happen in this industry. And it's going to happen really, really fast. And so agents that are getting into the business right now, and they're told to just basically gravitate towards being a buyer's agent and buy your leads. How are you going to survive? The fees that you're paying for those bought leads are going through the roof. And now in some markets, and I think it's going to happen uh, in the most aggressive markets really fast, you're going to have to start not only agreeing to pay for that buyer lead, a 25% referral fee, but then you're going to, or maybe more in some markets, but then you're going to have to then further explain to that buyer why you are worth what the, uh, you know, what you claim to be worth as far as the, the commission. And then that is technically no longer paid for by the seller unless it's asked for in the contract. So you might go into contract on a house for $400,000 with your buyer, but the buyer's agent commission is not automatically included in the $400,000 sale on the seller as a seller expense. That's going to have to be something that gets tacked onto the top or is figured into the transaction. That's where this might actually go. That's your worst well, case it's scenario. Already happening. There's already buyer's agents that are having to compete for the buyer, okay? And present exactly what you just said. What makes you different? What makes you worth your commission? And why should I pay your commission? This right. is already happening. And proof that it, it, agents love to try and make this illegal. Proof that it's not. Point number three, builders have been reducing buyer commissions for the past six months, sometimes to zero. That's why they are uh, also insisting that you accompany your buyer on that first visit and that you're not guaranteed to make what you thought that you were going to make. No, and some of them won't pay a co-op period. Yeah, some if of they them don't put, that policy. Well, if the builder doesn't put, so if you're, if it's not in the MLS, they're not obligated. The MLS, basically, when you join an MLS, generally speaking, you also have to join the National Association of Realtors. And part of that agreement is you're going to have to obviously agree to the, the policies and procedures with regards to commissions and co-ops, right? So if the builder's building house is not a member of the MLS, or even if they are a member of the MLS, but they didn't put the listing in the MLS, if it's a spec house, for example, you're not entitled to the commission. No. And I see a lot of agents that get to the closing and they look at the statement and they're like, where's my commission? They don't even know to ask. Yeah, right? you got to write it in. You always got to protect your commission, especially, yeah. frankly, with builders in these really hot markets. Yes, and it's very inconsistent, too. Some of them do, some of them don't, some of them it's sliding, some of them it's zero. So that's a symptom of this as well. And, you know, it used to be that you could just, you could be a buyer's agent, you could be doing fine, you could have your commission virtually guaranteed, everything would be okay. And you didn't have to defend yourself in these ways. Now what you're having to do is something that we teach in Premier Coaching, a buyer presentation. Yep. I mean, how is it that you absolutely expect to do a listing presentation? You expect to ask for a signature. You use a whole bunch of paperwork on the listing side. And yet you'll just go show whatever a buyer wants to see today without any commitment from them. And then you get mad because they ghost you tomorrow. Makes no sense, does it? Well, it's going to be, honestly, it's going to be hunger games for on the buyer agent side of the <laughs> it's industry. Games, but right? it's going to be that yeah. way in earnest because when this, again, let's just assume that the legislation and all this legal finagling that's happening right now, let, let just it blows over. There's some settlement. It okay. Could. But there's no way that there's not going to be um, really tech-enabled companies, mm -hmm. Zillow, for example, that sure. are going to start making it so that the buyer's agent commission, because you know when they're doing this iBuyer routine and they're trying to squeeze as much uh, margin out of each transaction, the buyer agent commission is oftentimes their largest single expense. 
and they're going to definitely want to figure out how to make that go away by I would assume keeping as many of those transactions in house to their own you know real estate agents yeah. that they have as part of the real estate you know brokerage called Zillow. Uh, but the other thing is, is they're going to charge bigger and bigger referral fees, um, or they're just going to simply not co-op as much. And they have publicly stated this. This is not Tim totally. and Julie speculating. They, there's lots of articles, lots of reports where. All of the iBuyer companies have said that this is something that we're well, seeing as our major expense. We saw them testing it. it right? Yeah, we exactly. saw. Was it last? Not wasn't in uh, COVID year. It was in 2019. Yes, we had. Um, we were watching through our coaching clients. They were testing how low the commission co-op commission could go before it adversely affect the sellability of the house. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what it got down to? I don't. I think it got down to like 1.8 or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. and Open Door and Zillow were both doing it in the same markets at the same time, trying to figure out if, again, if they all of a sudden were only co-oping 1.8%, if that was the number, would sales drop off? They well, were... and, and they did it very analytically and very specifically. If you read yep. about this, it says specifically during this 90-day period, we started out reducing it to, say, 2.5%. We studied that. Okay, things still sold. Now we're going to try it at two, and they're, they're systematically driving it down and studying how low they can make it. Now, if you think as a listing agent, you're not going to have to know how to overcome commission objections, you're wrong. You are. But as part of our coaching program, we actually teach you exactly how to do that. Because here at the end of the day, here's what matters most to the seller. Even though some sellers are going to die in the hill of getting a commission reduction, that's the reason that Julie and I have already covered all of that for you in our pre-listing pack. The pre-listing pack that is included in the Premier Coaching Program is essentially your silent salesperson that's going to usually get most of the listing done for you prior to you getting to the house. Pre-listing pack goes to the seller's house prior to you getting there, overcomes all the objections that they already had and some they hadn't already thought of that they would have probably thought of as soon as you showed up, right? Mm -hmm. And one of which is going to be the commission. But I'll tell you a little bit of coaching. This is absolutely true. Even though some sellers will claim the most important thing to them is the lowest commission. That's not true. It's never true. The most important thing to every single seller in the face of planet Earth is the highest net, right? So if you can show them, which we show you how to do in our pre-listing pack in our listing presentation, show them that your commission and you know it's essentially, Mr. Seller, let me ask you a question. What matters more, the commission I charge or the size of the check I hand you hand you at closing, um, or you know obviously the size of the check that they get once they close, and the question is then obviously answered with the size of the amount of money Mr. Seller makes, right? Clearly, what matters most is the amount of money you make. So what difference does it make what I charge, whether it's nothing or whether it's a billion percent, as long as the check that you receive at closing meets or significantly exceeds your expectations, what difference does it make with the commission is? It oh, doesn't. Okay, stop right there for a second. You're paying, Mr. Sir, seller, you're not paying for a service when you hire me. You're paying for the result. That's right, which is a killer script. Nicely done. Right out of Premier Coaching. Okay, so I don't want them to let that slip past. So that's that's the first point. The second thing that you were talking about is, I mean, how can you even do that? Agents are also afraid to do seller net sheets, which right now is especially much easier because everybody has equity. A, a recent study showed that the average equity of somebody who has a mortgage is two times what they owe. Okay, in other words, they, they have more than twice what they owe in money they could walk away with. So there's no reason to live in fear of doing a net sheet right now because sellers are walking away with a lot of money. Your point is, 
when you think or the seller thinks that they're going to argue about commission, they're focusing on the wrong number. They're focusing on the wrong math. You want them focused on what they're getting, not what they are spending with you. And if you're competing, as many of you are, against agents who have low or no skills, whose only way of winning listings is telling the seller the house is worth more than it's worth, and they're going to list it for less uh, commission, uh, that is, a, frankly, one of the easiest objections uh, to overcome. And if you're competing with an agent like that, they are competing out of fear and lack of skill and probably really crappy results. Mm -hmm. And again, part of our premier coaching is we show you how to overcome all of that. So even if you're competing against somebody like that, you will still win. But I'll give you guys a little secret as far as that goes too. Mo that is not as prevalent as you think. Nope. And a lot of the older brokers, frankly, old school brokers, even some of the larger ones in the country, won't allow agents to reduce their commissions. But you guys, when you're trying to rationalize why you haven't learned yet to be listing agents, you rationalize that essentially it's essentially uh, the, the industry is all dominated by the commission cutters and it's not. Definitely not. You know, so this is these are all skills based things. But I realize, I know, I've been doing this for a long damn time. <laughs> you know, Julia, our best selling authors, this is the number one listened to daily podcast in the nation. We've had, you know, I don't even know how many downloads, 15, maybe 20 million at this point. Um, and we're listened to in over 60 different countries. I know that our message does not appeal to all of you because a vast majority of you, frankly, aren't ready to listen to what we have to say because you're still believing that you don't have to do the real work of real estate. You still think that you can shortcut it by buying business. You still want to be seduced by the people shiny, uh, selling you the big shiny objects. If you were to actually take the time and think about the person you want to be in six months, let alone a year, let alone five years, you're going to see that that person is not the person that you're most likely in the process of creating because you are not building a skills-based business. You're building a bot business. And as soon as the market changes, as soon as your cash flow changes, you're out of business. And I want you to seriously consider actually pursuing a business that's based on a foundation of not just getting back to our buddy Bob now that he's opened up a pie shop, not just essentially somebody who can put a really pretty front on something, a good social networking and branding, but somebody who actually builds the reputation based on the results that you get for other people. Because here's a little secret about Bob and his pie shop. Bob's Pie Shop will be massively successful even with zero marketing or zero branding when he has a fantastic product because other people will flock to it. He'll build centers of influence and past clients. But the marketing people don't want you to think that because they want you to be addicted to constantly buying your business. You guys see the difference? I, mean, I have to think, at least I hope, hopefully I'm not delusional. I could very well be, <laughs> but hopefully I'm not, that you guys are seeing how practical and tactical and how really honest the approach that we take to this business truly is. It's about being of service to people. And if you do not, the equation between what you have and what you want, the difference is the number of people that you help. So if you do not have what you want in life, if you are not experiencing the quality of life and the quality of relationships and friendships and health and you know, financial primarily, it's because you have yet to bridge the mental, emotional mindset gap between the number of people you help accomplish their goals and the amount of goals in your life you will be able to accomplish. I promise you guys, it's not any more complicated than that. I also promise you that real estate business is not a hard business. This is the easiest damn business in the world if you're focused on being a listing agent. It gets complicated 
when people starting to start seduce you on, you have to master building funnels, you have to do all this other marketing, you have to learn how to do, build your brand and build your team. No, guys, you have to learn how to provide a superior, and I don't even want to say service, you have to learn how to provide superior results to folks primarily on the listing end of the business. That's what we teach you in Premier Coaching. That is our niche. That's what we do better than anybody. So please consider becoming a Premier Coaching client. Text the word SUCCESS to 47372. If you want to get a hold of us for anything, you can text me directly at 59... Uh, what is it? 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. And of course, we're always interested in talking with you about becoming a part of eXp Realty. Uh, Julie and I are humbly applying for the job of being your sponsor at eXp Realty. If that's the path that you're on, if you've not chosen a sponsor, we would seriously appreciate the opportunity to... Uh, to be that sponsor for you. So if you want somebody that's going to be proactively involved in your real estate career, in essence, a partner with you in your real estate business, do uh, consider Julie and I as your sponsor at eXp. If you'd like to move forward with eXp, you can uh, uh, go to, um, actually just text eXp to 47372, text eXp to 47372. Or if you're ready to join, uh, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. We will talk with you on the show tomorrow, live from LA. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.